There are two parts to our scripture reading today. The first reading comes from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And the second part of the scripture reading from Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. Then Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. You know, when uh, Daryl first called and asked me if I would be here this Sunday, I got real excited and Boy, I wanted to get on my sermon just immediately and get going and had a couple things I was tossing around. But nothing really came together good. And then in a conversation with him a couple days later, he just happened to mention that today was the first day of Advent. Because he knew I probably didn't know. And, uh, you know, I may not be the the sharpest tool in the shed, but it kind of dawned on me that maybe, just maybe since he just happened to mention that it was the first day of Advent, that he wanted me to preach on the subject of the first week of Advent. I thought, well, that's kind of cool, because I really like love, you know? So I got the second verse together out of Mark, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And I'm working on this, and, and I have to go to Walmart. So I go out and I get in my car, and I turn on the radio, and there's a deeply theological song on about love. I mean, it was deep. So I turned the car off, I ran back in my house, I got out all my hymnals, which I didn't realize I had that many, And I know that y'all are probably not going to believe this, but I do not have a single hymnal at my house that contains What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner. I just... I don't know. Isn't that amazing? But you laugh, but let me tell you something, guys. That, when looked at through the eyes of a rabbi, is a deeply theological song. You could spend a month doing sermons on just the title of what's love got to do with it. Then it asks a question, what's love but a second-hand emotion? That's a very scriptural New Testament theology thought. Then it asks, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Guys, that's really a very theological song. So I'm getting a sermon together. I'm excited, boy. I'm going like crazy. Well, back in the back of my little pea brain, something keeps bugging me, keeps bugging me. It's kind of like I hear a voice saying, Don, you better go online and check out Advent. So I got online and checked out Advent. And as you guys probably all know a lot better than I do, the first week of Advent is not love, it's hope. <laughs> well, I guess I'll save my other sermon. That's why the title of the day message is, What's Love Got to Do With It? Or Not. Maybe I'll save that sermon for another day. But I think this is a very... Uh, we couldn't have a better topic for us to be thinking about at this time of the year than hope. With all the turmoil that's going on in our country, with all the craziness that's going on with this election, guys, we need some hope. And, and when I thought about what's a good verse about hope, Jeremiah came to mind. That's a very, very popular verse about hope. Matter of fact, your pastor has it on his wall. For I know the plans I have for you, declares Jehovah. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. What a great verse. I love that verse a lot, but we're not going to speak about that verse this morning. (laughs) But do keep that in mind, because I will get back to that. The verse I want us to look at this morning is Ezekiel 45, 35. 
And what I want to do is I hope by the time I finish this morning, I will give you guys some tools that you can go home and do a little bit of work and you can have that hope for your future that the Lord God says that he has for you. In, in, in Ezekiel 29, excuse me, 48-35, it says, The distance around the city shall be 18,000 measures, and the name of that city from that day and ever after shall be Adonai Shema. Yehovah Shema, Yahweh Shema, whatever name you call him, the Lord is there. Now, if you get out your Google and you go out what, what city in, in, in Israel is the holy, old holy mountain in, it's going to tell you that the name of that city is Jerusalem. Yerushalayim. It will not tell you that the name of that city is Adonai Shema. Why not, guys? Because that is a prophetic, down the road, hasn't happened yet statement. This is something that we could look at down the future. I want to give you a quick overview of what's happening when Ezekiel wrote his book. Israel did again what Israel had done many times. They goofed. Every man did what was right in his own eyes, and they were following all these strange gods, and the, the services in the Lord's house had become crazy and no more than, than a, a circus. So guys, something that we in America need to understand this morning, and you better pay close attention to, the Lord my God says, my spirit will not always strive with mankind. And this is a perfect example on it. God said, That's, I, I'm done with you guys. Bye. He withdrew the Shekinah, his, his glory, not only from the temple, but from the entire city of Jerusalem. It's, it's like when the Romans came in in A.D., whatever it was, 72, 70, and, and destroyed the temple. Have you ever wondered how were the Romans able to destroy the temple of God? Well, that's easy, guys. He was gone. And let me tell you something. When God removes his Shekinah, when God removes his presence from somewhere, it's no longer holy, it's just an empty building. So the Romans were able to come in, just like everybody else came in and, and, and took over Jerusalem. And, 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 and God basically told his people, I'm out of here. And you know what happened? The nation of Israel wound up, became, became scattered to the four corners. They were everywhere, folks. But there's something that we absolutely have to understand here this morning. Hashem never washed his hands of Israel. Never. Yes, he punished them, but he never stopped loving them. He, he, he always had his love there. He was always trying to draw the nation of Israel and those who were grafted into Israel back to him, guys. And through the prophet Ezekiel, he promises a restoration of his glory to not only to the city of Jerusalem, but to the entire nation. And I believe that the first part of this promise happened in a babe that was born in a manger wrapped in a swaddling clothes when he came into Jerusalem for his, his grit malai, his circumcision. Now, I want you to think about the name Jehovah Shema for a moment. It starts off in Hebrew with a, with a sacred name, yud Hey vav Hey Shema. He is there. Do you realize, I, I, I think that most Americans, I, I sometimes refer to America as the land of the other shoe. <laughs> How many of us live our lives waiting for that other shoe to drop? The boss tells us, you know what, Friday afternoon, I'd like you to be in my office at 9 o'clock in the morning. I have something I want to discuss with you. How many of us, really be honest with yourselves, how many of us would spend the weekend being excited because we just know the boss is going to give us a raise? 
Really, what are we doing? Are we worrying? Oh my goodness, what did I do? What am I in trouble for? We're waiting for that other shoe to drop. We live our lives worried about some future event that 90% of the time never happens. We, we look ahead at a, what we always consider to be a potential disaster, something bad looming ahead of us. It may be a doctor's appointment. Maybe your children are going off leaving your house for the first time. Maybe, like I said, you've got a meeting with the boss. Maybe, maybe, uh, you, the list is long. It could go on and on and on. Maybe it's putting in a new president as our nation. But the fact is, most of us at some point in our lives, and truthfully, too often usually, we've got something that causes knots in, in, in our stomach. We've got something that causes us to toss and turn at night worrying about what's in that future event. Well, I want to give you this morning two words for that future event. Adonai Shema. The Lord is there, guys. The Lord is there in that doctor's office. The Lord is there when that president's going to be installed. The Lord is there when your child leaves home. The Lord is there if you get a divorce. Whatever's going on in your life, guys, is causing you trouble. We need to remember that Jehovah Shema, He's there. You know, the verse we read is such a wonderful verse. For I know the plans that I have for you. I want you to think about something this morning. God cannot know plans about you that He hasn't made yet. Does that make any sense? He says, I know the plans that I have made for you. Guys, your future is planned out. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but you know what? We know who holds tomorrow in the palm of his hand. We know who is there tomorrow waiting for us, regardless of what the doctor says, regardless of what, of what the president is or isn't, who he is or who he's not, regardless of what's happening in our lives, absolutely nothing surprises God. I read all these things on the internet about how many people were surprised by, by Trump winning the election. Do you think it surprised God? Guys, absolutely nothing that goes on on this planet surprises him. He is there waiting for you, offering you what? A hope and a future, guys. That, that excites me when I read that. Because whatever tomorrow holds for Don Swindell, I can rest assured that it didn't catch my God off guard or he's not there. I want to, to, to give you two things to think about this morning, two, two separate things. And I hope that you'll be able to take these two things home and, and pray about them and think about them and try to do them so you can face tomorrow with a hope, knowing that God already has a future for you. And I want to start off by being very rabbinical. And I want to be rabbinical by sharing a parable with you. Now, I realize that most folks think that, that Jesus came up with the parables. But the truth is, parables have been used for rabbis for about a thousand years before Yeshua was even on the scene. Most rabbis are excellent storytellers. And I want to share a, a parable with you that was told and told and retold by a rabbi named Yaakov Yosef. And I believe that this parable not only sums up the times that Rabbi Yosef lived in, 
But if you pay attention, I think you'll see that they pretty much sum up our times too. Quote, I heard a tale of an apprentice who learned his trade from a smith. After he had mastered it, he made a list point by point of how he must go about his craft. He did not mark down, however, that he first should ignite a spark for the fire. Why? Because this was obvious and hardly needing to be mentioned. Now he went to work at the king's palace, but alas, found his dismay that he was unable to perform his duties. He was soon dismissed. Finally, he returned to his master, who reminded him of his first principle, which he had forgotten. You know, folks, I love this parable. Why? Because our master in the book of Revelation reminds us, one thing I have against you, you have forgotten what? Your first love. You see, this young blacksmith, this young man, he might have learned how to whirl his hammer. He might have learned how to shape that metal. He may have learned how to blow the bellows. He may have mastered all the skills of his craft. But you know what? He had forgotten one thing. He had forgotten that one thing that without everything else was useless. All of his knowledge, all of his skill, all of his hard work was absolutely useless without what? Kindling the flame, guys. Let me tell you about the time that Rabbi Yosef lived in. You see, I want to tell you about his time because it's just exactly like ours. Back in those days, they had produced many mighty scholars. And these guys' heads were just crammed with quotations. Their lips spoke long and involved discourses. Their hands were busy putting ink to paper so that books poured forth from the mighty presses. Book after book after book. They maintained the outward appearances of the law. The synagogues were attended daily for prayers. Stores were closed on the Shabbat and the festivals. Leavened bread was not eaten on the Passover. Huts were built for Sukkot. Fasting was universal on Yom Kippur and Tisha Abayav. In other words, folks, they did everything right. They were oh so religious. But one thing was missing. The one thing that without that one thing, all the apparent meticulous observance of the law was not of any benefit at all, guys. The spark which gave life to all this. Hope you hear me on this this morning, guys. If you want to be able to face the future with hope, the duties of Torah study, Bible study, the duties of prayer absolutely must be fulfilled. But above all else, above all else, you must have the yearning in your heart to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, because upon all the law and the prophets rest upon that, guys. And if you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, your neighbors, yourself, you're just plain. Guys, we're just plain. You see, we have to have, have that yearning for that flame that ignites in us everything else. You see, the folks in Rabbi Yossi's day have forgotten the obvious and the self-evident. Hear me on this. All the commandments of the Torah, all the commandments of the Bible, all the Bible study, all the prayer, all the Shabbats and festivals, all of them have one use and one use only. Draw us closer to the Lord. Draw us closer to our Master. Beloved, if we want the hope for the future that Jeremiah speaks of, we must learn, we must relearn our first principle. If we want a true hope for the future, the spiritual need of our time is to return to our first love, to return to God. Let me ask you a question. Why did you come here this morning? 
I really want you to think about that a second. I really want you to answer that question. This isn't for me or the person sitting next to you. This is for you. Why are you here? Why are you here, guys? Was it for the fellowship? Was it for the beautiful songs, the beautiful music we're hearing? Was it for the liturgy? Perhaps you came to hear what that guy in the funny little hat had to say. But do you know the real reason why you should be here? It's to praise and worship the Lord God Almighty. Period. That should be the only reason why you came this morning. Now, let's say that on a normal Sunday, Daryl, or let's say this morning I fall flat on my face and it's a horrible sermon. Let's say the piano player gets a crimp in his hand and he can't play and, and everybody in the choir has got a, got a cold and the music is horrible. If you came to praise and worship Lord God Almighty, you're going to walk at that beggar with a song on your lips and a smile on your face and you're going to be happy. But if you came here to hear the sermon or the music, guess what? You won't be quite so happy, will you? Is there anybody, don't raise your hands, but is there anybody in this church that ever left on a Sunday gropping because of the music wasn't any good or maybe you had a special song or, or maybe the sermon wasn't any good? Have you, has anybody ever done that in your whole life? Well, see, when you go to do nothing but praise and worship God, the beautiful music is icing on the cake. The beautiful song service and the fellowship and, 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 and the liturgy and, 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 and the sermon. Guys, those are all icing on the cake. The cake is, is we need to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, folks. That's what it's all about. The second thing I want to give you to think about, I want to read you out of Luke chapter 3. Start at verse 4. It has been written in the scroll of the words of Yeshayahu Hanavim, um, Isaiah the prophet, saying, A voice of one calling, In the desert, prepare the way of Adonai. Make his path straight. Every valley will be filled. Every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight. And the rough roads will become smooth. And all flesh will see the salvation of God. Guys, do you realize that as, as, as disciples of Yeshua, we are called to follow him? That means that where he walks, we walk. That means that where he goes, we go after him. Beloved, he is our master. I find it interesting in the church that everybody wants Jesus to be their Savior. Not so many people want Him to be their Lord. You ever thought about that? But I challenge you to go through the Bible and find me one time where it refers to Yeshua as our Savior and Lord. You know what it always says? Our Lord and Savior. He is our Master, guys. He is our Lord. He is, he is our, he our Head. And, and the path of our master was prepared for him by Yochanan the Immerser, John the Baptizer. Now, what did John the Baptizer do? John the Baptizer came, so Yeshua's path was to be straight, not crooked. Field, not valley. Lord, not mountainous. Smooth, not rough. In other words, the path that John came to prepare for the master was to be completely flat, utterly level, without twist, bend, or turn. Now, guys, have you ever stopped to think, why did the very Son of God need somebody to come in the first place to make a path straight for him? Why did he need John the Baptist? Well, let me tell you what, guys. So that when Yeshua came, there would be absolutely no hindrance to his word and the word of the living God going forth. There would be no obstacles. There would be no curves that he could come and the people's hearts were prepared. And all he had to do... Do you know that Yeshua and, 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 and John the Baptist... But basically had the same message. Get ready because the kingdom of God is near. 
Repent from your sins because the kingdom of God is near. That's basically the only sermon those guys had. And, and, and Yeshua was able to teach that because John came first and made the path where it's supposed to go. Guys, it, it, it came so Yeshua could present the good news to the people. Now, today, many of us expect that as we walk the way of the Master, we're going to continually encounter Him. We're going to continually experience His love. We're going to continually experience His peace and His power. But unfortunately, the truth is, I wonder how many of us, if we stood up and gave testimonies, came here this morning with some sort of turmoil in your life. Came here this morning with some something, and, and, and maybe you don't necessarily feel the love of God. Maybe you're here this morning, and there are things happening in your lives, and in the life of your families, in the life of your loved ones. And, 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 and to be quite honest, you cannot see the hand of God moving in your life at the moment, folks. You see, for many of us, we find that we're struggling. For many of us, we might even feel trapped. We might feel desperate. For many of us, we might have a difficult time not only following God, but finding God in the first place. Well, if you're here this morning feeling like that, I want to give you something to think about. For too long, believers in Yeshua have been taught that we need to experience God. We need to experience God. And where do we go to experience God? Church. Sunday morning services. R&R. Great place to experience God. If you don't go, you ought to. We go do Bible studies. Or maybe sometimes we experience God in our own homes. Maybe we have a prayer closet in our own home that we go and we experience God. But you know what the trouble with if you only experience God in, 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 in places like, like this where Sunday morning service and, and Bible study and things. And guys, don't misunderstand me. These are great things. I'm not knocking them. I believe that we have to do these kind of things all the time. The Bible commands us, don't forsake sake, the assembly of yourself together. This is a good thing. I'm not knocking it. But what I'm saying is, how many times, I want you to be honest with yourself. Have you come to church on Sunday morning, Daryl was on fire, the piano player was on, Keller was on fire, the singers were on fire, and you left that door, man, you were so high, your feet weren't even hardly touching the ground. You were on fire for the Lord. Come Tuesday afternoon, not so much. So what do you do? You go to R&R. You get pumped up again. I love R&R, guys. I don't know about y'all. When I leave R&R, I'm on fire. Woo! But if that's the only place you're talking to the Lord, guess what? By Friday morning, not so much. So what do you do? You have to go back Sunday. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this up and down, up and down, up and down? Is that a straight path? It's not, is it, guy? It's an emotional roller coaster. And do you know why we're on an emotional roller coaster? Is because the only time that we ever experience God, the only time we ever come into His presence is at church. What we need to do is to get back to this. We need to read this daily. We need to find God in this Word. Do you know why you need to find God in this Word? That way when you hide His Word in your heart, guess who you're hiding in your heart? God. Guys, we need to quit seeing God only in the big things of life. We need to start seeing God in the little everyday ordinary things that we do all the time. If, if we've got to go have a test run to see if we've got some horrible disease. 
Where are you going to be before that test? At some point, you're going to be on your face, aren't you? And not only are you going to be on your face, you're going to call all your friends and loved ones, and what are you going to ask them to do? Get on their faces. Why? To take your petitions before God. But my master in the book of John 14 chapter said seven little words which are really hard for the average Christian to believe. For without me you can do nothing. Didn't say for without me you can't do the big things. For without me you can't do nothing. Which means before I do anything I need to get the Lord God Almighty on my side. Let me tell you something real quick guys. The big things in life bring excitement. But it's those small day-to-day things that bring quality. And I don't know how excited God is in your, uh, how interested God is in your excitement, but I guarantee you He's very interested in, in the quality of your life. Guys, we need to get back to the Word of God. We need to find God in this Word. Why? The God commands us. Listen to Proverbs 3. In all your ways know Him, and He will make your path straight. Make level the path of your feet, it says in Proverbs 4, and all of your ways will be established. Isaiah 26, the path of the righteous is of righteous, rightness, or right one. You make level the path of righteousness. And in Hebrews 12, 13, make straight paths for your feet, so that which is lame may not be turned aside, but rather be healed. Guys, the Bible commands us over and over again that we... With His help, need to make our path straight. And how do we do that? By getting back into His Word, by studying His Word, and by seeing God in every little leaf, on every tree, and everything we do, folks. Hear me on this. Being dedicated to and following Yeshua should not mean a constant cycle of emotional ups and downs. Where God requires to chase us to chase Him through the obstacle course of life. Beloved, He wants us on a straight and level way so that we can be established, that we can be stabilized, that we can be unhindered in our walk. He wants us to find Him in our normal, daily circumstances and not neglect to see Him in normal life, folks. He wants us to know and follow His Word in all ways, at all times, and to seek not the experience, but to seek Him, guys. To seek Him. To seek His Word, folks. We need to seek the plain path of His Word. I, I love the fact that, that, that this church has this many people here in it because I've, I've been in the ministry a long time and I know that a lot of times when the pastor's out of town, most everybody else doesn't show up. I realize that y'all had a lot of places you could be this morning, but you chose to be in God's house instead. Praise His name. But don't leave Him at the door when you leave. Go home and get into His Word. Develop a personal prayer time. Get you a prayer closet where you can read His Word, you can hide His Word. Do you know why the Bible says, you know why you should hide the Word in your heart and not just memorize the Word, guys? Because the Word of God says, Thy Word I have hid in my, anybody? Heart, that I might not sin against thee. That's why we have to study and we have to get God's Word in our heart. Because when we take God's Word in our heart, guess who's there? The Lord God Almighty. Yeshua Himself tells us that out of the overflow of your heart, what? You speak. So guys, I hope this morning I gave you all something to think about. I know that we're America's ahead. We've got some rocky roads ahead of us, even though I was seriously praying that when the elections were over, sanity would return, but it hasn't. But I'm, am I worried one hour about what's going to happen in the next few months? Not at all. Why? 
Adonai Shema. My God is there waiting on me. It is my prayer that you learn to see the same thing, that your God is there waiting on you. Thank you.